You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. It's Rico Mohammed filling in for Kevin Rumsfeld on the Rates and Lane podcast. Tonight we have a special guest that's going to be joining us tonight, Mr. Chuck Snow, the CEO of Traffics. We'll bring Chuck on here in just a second. We're going to start the show off like we normally do, and we're going to review real quickly the uh, USDA and the uh, Transcore trend lines data that came out today. We're coming to you live this evening from Tampa, Florida. So we're going to jump right into the USDA fruit and vegetable truck rate report for the week of June 18th. And as of today, when this report came out, there are only a few markets that are showing a shortage, and that is the San Joaquin Valley in California, Florida potatoes. And let me put a caveat to that. I found out today that all of the potatoes that are in Florida, most of those are coming out of the Panhandle area. It's not uh, central or southern Florida. It's mostly up in the panhandle. And uh, eastern North Carolina is still showing a shortage for sweet potato moves, and southern New Mexico is showing a shortage. Now, you got a couple of markets that are still showing a slight shortage, which is central and north Florida and the west district of Florida, starting to get a little bit of a – tomatoes that are coming out of that area and also uh, still a strong market according to the USDA for the um, Laredo Mexico crossing in South Texas still very very hot markets down that way and right now my computer is not loading my DAT information hmm Well, we'll, we may get back to it in a little bit. I don't want to take away from too much time of our special guest this evening. Um, Like I said, we got uh, Mr. Chuck Snow will be joining us and give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of background on Chuck. Chuck is the founder and CEO of Traffics. Uh, Chuck has a passion for trucking. And his first real exposure to the industry was at a very young age when his late father, Mark, imported flowers up to to Toronto from Florida. Uh, Chuck drove the furniture truck in his family uh, flowers truck while he was still in high school. And at the age of 21, the ripe old age of 21, he bought his first truck, a 1966 model F, uh, I'm sorry, Mac F model and leased on to what was referred to as a gypsy carrier back in those days. That's a good question right there. Chuck might have to explain that one. (laughs) So he got to learn the ropes. He found the traffic in 1979 after learning everything he could about the trucking companies. Um, For five years, Chuck has always had a love for trucks and and transportation. True visionary and innovator in the third-party logistics area. He has devoted his life to the transportation industry, Chuck has a great passion for work and arrives every every morning with boundless 
enthusiasm. Uh, for those of you that were at the CMC, you definitely know uh, Chuck is. Uh, you got a chance to meet Chuck at the CMC. Great guy, um, very fit young man, very vibrant. He loves to work out. He enjoys uh, training dogs, fishing, trap shooting, gourmet cooking. Man after my own heart. So Chuck never takes for granted his good fortune. And uh, over the past 35 years since he started traffic, he feels that he is the luckiest man on earth because he is blessed with a great family, good friends, and really loves what he really loves to do every day and has a great, tremendous passion for it. So with no further ado, we'd like to bring on Mr. Chuck Snow. Chuck, are you there? Uh-oh. We had him for a second. Chuck, are you there? Well, give us just a second, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to try to reach out and see if we can't get Chuck back on. Apologize, ladies and gentlemen. We seem to be having some technical difficulties. Trying to get Chuck Snow back on, I guess. Uh, we had him for a second. We were talking, and right when we got ready to bring him on, it looked like his line dropped out. Um, trying to reach at, reach back out to Chuck, see if we can get grab him. But uh, with no further ado, what we'll do, I see someone's lined up in the queue for a question, so we'll go start taking some questions at this time. If you have any questions or anything that we can help you out with, just press number one, and we'll work on trying to get you online. We have a caller from 905. Caller, what's your name, and how can we help? Rico, Chuck Snow, I decided to call in because uh, somehow our lines dropped. Can you hear me? <laughs> well, ain't that something. I go to go to my first call, and it's, it's like this, so praise, praise God. <laughs> Can't get away from me, buddy. <laughs> We got him back on the line. Great deal. All right, Chuck. Well, uh, we got your introduction over. Uh, Thanks for having me, Rico. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time. That that, that that was a little weird right there. It, was, uh, it definitely was. But you know what? When the phone dropped us, I better call you. <laughs> well, we got through it. We got you on the line. So, good deal. Uh, so, Chuck. Won't you let everybody know? Tell us a little bit about because uh, most of the, our guests, uh, the people that are on our line, you know, these are smaller carriers, uh, one, two truck operations. Some people that are, that are just really wanting to learn about the industry uh, may not even have a truck yet. So, for the people that may have dreams and aspirations to maybe grow and and develop a big fleet, won't you give us a little background on yourself and, and tell us, uh, you know, how did you find your success in this industry? Well, you find that what we did was we found a niche. Now, uh, I've had a little bit of a head start on probably most of your listeners, uh, having been in the business for 40 years. But 35 years ago, it was a little bit different. It was a um, it was very regulated, and and now of course things have changed. But it, we have re-regulation, I guess you would call it. And my best advice to anybody that wants to start is uh, know your numbers. Number one, you got to know what you're working for. Um, and most important, you, you really have to, today, we used to have regulation, of course, now it's re-regulation with safety, and 
you you really need to do things right. I think that any of the people out there that want to get into this and think they can get into it by cutting corners, especially corners with safety, don't do it because you're going to mess yourself up. You know, I grew up in a different environment than your listeners. You know, I grew up in a day when it wasn't uncommon for people to carry three logbooks. That that sort of nonsense isn't tolerated anymore. So if you really want to grow and you want to build a business, you've got to do it by giving great service and being honest, and you've got to have a great safety record because customers are looking for that now. And it's so important to do things right. Well, that's great that you say that because you can speak from both sides of the industry by both uh, traffics you have. It's an asset-based carrier, and also you have a brokerage division, so so you can definitely speak with authority on both ends of the coin. Yes, we are. Actually, Traffics is Canada's oldest broker. Um, you know, we started before anybody else did. As a matter of fact, when we started, brokerage was illegal, basically in Canada, the way we were doing it, which is a whole long other story that entered us. Uh, we ended up in the Supreme Court of Canada fighting for our existence. And we finally wow. did win in court. It's a long story that costs an awful lot of money, but I don't want to uh, take up your time on that one tonight. But things have changed, and we do things an awful lot different today than we did in 1979. And, you know, it's just it's very much a numbers game today. You've got to remember that in 1979, fuel was about 65 cents a gallon. And, right. you know, you look at what it is today, and, and, you know, some of the freight rates back then weren't much different. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of them were even more than they are today. So wow. you've got to be one hell of a good operator in uh, 2014 to make it with the costs being what they are. So it's really important. Go ahead, Rico. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, 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 no, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Let you finish your thought. No, it's really important that people know their numbers. This is a... Uh, there's not a lot of barriers to entry. You know, the licenses that uh, that we didn't have, that we should have had when we started um, back, you know, 40 years or 35 years ago, were probably worth, you know, on the carrier side, were probably worth, at that time, $20 million. And today, they're $2,500. That's what a set of, you know, authorities were worth, and that's what they're worth today. So it's a different ballgame. Right, right. So I just want to let everybody know, if you have any questions for Chuck, he's here, he's going to share his vast knowledge with us. We didn't really uh, set up anything as far as any uh, parameters or anything. So uh, if you got any questions for Chuck, just press number one on your keypad. That'll put you in the queue. We'll be able to see you, and we'll start bringing on callers with uh, questions or anything like that for Chuck. First thing, Chuck, that one of my questions that I want to know uh, – is when when you are what are some of the biggest concerns that you hear from customers of of your brokerage division? You know, saying or do they prefer dealing with the brokerage or do they want to have direct carrier relationships or or is that a fine line? Where There's you try to both. Mix both. Well, you know, there is both. There are some customers that when you walk in the door, the first question they're going to ask is, "Are you asset based?" And they refuse to deal with anybody that's not asset-based. Now, pretty much every asset-based company has some sort of a brokerage arm. Um, 
but there are you know there are some companies that do like using brokers especially when it comes to things like fresh fruits and vegetables because you know with produce you need to move your product to market and you need a broker that's got a following of trucks so you can get your product to market in a hurry and that's a little bit different than somebody that is a manufacturer uh, that is that has a different they can plan a little bit better obviously than somebody that's buying or selling fresh produce right so now a follow-up to that would be because a lot of our listeners and, and uh, the people that are on the line may deal primarily with brokers what could a carrier do when they're contacting your brokerage that would help set them apart from anybody else that contacts you if they're, you know, the first time getting to know you to try to establish a relationship or anything like that. What could, is there anything that they could do or present or is it just a luck of the draw? No, it's not luck of the draw. You know what? First of all, uh, as I said out in the beginning, they've got to have a good safety record. We deal with literally hundreds of uh, mom-pa carriers. I love dealing with them. I love dealing with the people that have two trucks and three trucks. Um, I am the bread and butter for so many of those companies because not only am I their dispatch department, I'm their bank because I'll pay them right away. So that's a huge right. advantage. And whether it's reefer or flatbed or drive in, I'm able to keep an awful lot of those guys going all the time. And uh, when they call up, as long as their information is good, as long as they've got a good safety rating, as long as they pick up on time and when they can't pick up we understand that things happen we understand that traffic jams happen we understand equipment breaks down uh especially if you've got newer equipment it seems to break down more than some of the old stuff uh you know we've heard kevin talk about that and i couldn't agree more um as long as they tell us that we don't take surprises if you're supposed to deliver and you and you can't or you can't pick up and uh, you don't tell us uh, you're out. You know we will not tolerate that. And that's the and the communication is so important. And then clarity on billing. Um, you know when you send your bill in, make sure you've got all the right information. Make sure you've got you know it, it's accurate. Make sure you've got the proof of delivery. Uh, tell us you know the best guys we have are the ones that tell us when they've picked up and when they deliver. We love those guys, and so we'll give those guys extra work, we'll give them extra money, we'll we'll bend over backwards for those guys because they do it for us. And they're part of our company. We we work so closely with some of those carriers. We'll you know, an awful lot of them in the US are not allowed to come into Canada and we will quite often we'll pick up their trailer at the border in Detroit or Buffalo. They'll take their reset. We'll run up to Toronto uh, we will unload it. Sometimes if we can, we'll reload it if it's possible. Quite often it's not because Canada's a little bit dismal these days for freight unless it's going to the um, northeast, especially out of Ontario. Um, but we work hand-in-hand hand with these people all the time. But we need to know that you're, you're who you say you are and that your equipment is good and that you're good. And that's what I think. I don't think we're any different than any other broker. Right, right, and I'm just trying to uh, maybe help people start to think about different things that, you know, um, they may be able to incorporate into their business practices, and, you know, we had um, your, your your guy on last week 
Mr. Dale Howard, we had him on, and we were talking about safety and CSA and marketing and how uh, how important that safety and CSA can be when you're negotiating your rates. And he gave us a ton of great information. And uh, so I, I see that, that, you know, you're, you're not just talking to talk, but you're actually walking the walk as far as the culture of your company. And, I, and that's another thing that I, when I was reading, uh, checking out your website and everything, that's that's a very important thing uh, on, on, for your company. Won't you give us some uh Give us some tips on, on what, it, what it is about your culture uh, that, that also helps set you apart. Because I think well, that I people think really need to hear, I, I think people really need to hear uh, more more so, um, we want to give them the mechanics of everything, but also we want to equip them with the philosophical ideas that, 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 that helps uh, kind of uh, connect the dots. You've got to set yourself, you know, and, and we have found this, we've got to set ourselves apart from, other people in the industry who don't follow proper uh, protocol and procedure. There are rules. We may not like the rules, but you can't be breaking them. And it is so important. And that's when it comes to our fleet side, um, we will, you know, we have pretty much a zero tolerance. You've got to have a real good excuse for messing up. Uh, we will fire drivers or owner operators for logbook infractions. Uh, other than oh. if it's a mistake somebody makes, and, and we've had that where a, a driver gets uh, gets fined because he put the line in the wrong place, and you get an ornery DOT inspector. Um, but other than that, um, you know, if a if a driver is not following proper logs, it, he's gone. I don't need him. Uh, our safety rating that is the you know the two things that are the foundation of any trucking company today is insurance and safety and they go hand in hand because you're not going to get affordable insurance if you don't have good safety so good safety right. practices have to be followed there's no fooling around there's there's no running on bad tires and waiting until you get a paycheck next week to go and get um get your tires replaced you can't be doing things like that your equipment you know i have a and i agree with dale howard when he talks about um how equipment looks i totally agree with him but in certain markets and depending on what you're doing there are trucks out there that aren't as pretty but as long as they're safe and i really i was talking to one of my owner operators yesterday who just came on with us and he's got an older freightliner and it doesn't look brand new, and it doesn't look as nice as I'd like it to. But you know what? That thing is, it could go over any scale. And we talked about it. He said, yeah, you know what? This thing could probably use a paint job, but I know there's a greater chance I'm going to get pulled in. So I make sure that everything I do is you know, totally up to snuff. My logbook is always good. And he said, and I'm dressed clean, and my truck is always checked. And I do my circle check, and I make sure that everything is perfect. He said, look at my tires. You can tell. And the guy was right. And that's the sort of mentality you have to have in this business. Remember, we are in a business that, where we service customers. And you can't be servicing customers if you're shut down at the side of the road at the scale. Right. So you've got to, even right. if you don't have the money to buy a brand-new truck and you buy an old truck, for God's sakes, you know, wash it. You know, uh, make it look as best as you can make it look and keep it safe. Because, you know, today, yeah, because today it's just, it's so important. If something isn't right, 
and you are involved in a crash, God forbid, and they find that a, a brake is out of adjustment, even if it's not your fault, it becomes your fault. Right. It's your baby. And I don't well, think any of us can afford that liability. Right. Right. And I'm I'm not going to hog all the time. I know we got a couple of people that want to get on and ask some questions, Chuck. I got a, I got a couple in queue right now, so I'm going to jump into a couple of callers and see if, see what they got. Let that allow them to have a chance to pick your brain a little bit. So uh, we don't well, have a call. There's not much to pick, right Rico, now. but they can have what's left. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get get our call screen to set up, but uh, we didn't. I was running a little bit behind to show that this is live. Uh, we actually are out here working and doing this stuff as usual. We, we, we're right at the wire, backing into our spot, uh, logging on to the website and making phone calls to try to get everything organized. But with no further ado, i got a caller calling in from uh, area code 602. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name and how can we help? Rico, Dale Howard. So glad to uh, be on the show again. And uh, did you <laughs> mention to uh, Chuck to get me employee of the month? <laughs> you got it. Don't worry, Dale. <laughs> hey, Chuck, I, I, I just wanted to chime in. I'm really glad you, uh, you know, you opened up and talked about compliance. And as uh, you know, when you're brokering a load to somebody that you've never ever dealt with, you do pull their CSA score, and and that does play into whether or not you're going to give somebody that that load. You have to because if you find somebody that's got flagrant abuses of. Um, of safety and there's an issue it can fall back on us and you know it can certainly tarnish the relationship between you and your customer your customer today is demanding if you're going to broker a load that you follow the same protocol as he does no that's great well and uh thanks for uh thanks for reiterating that i know we talked about that last week and uh just a little update from uh, last week's uh show rico is uh this is week two on electronic logs, and the sky hasn't fallen in yet. So on that note, oh, I'll let you go to somebody else. <laughs> I'm glad the right. sky hasn't fallen on you yet. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. It's... Uh-oh. Let me, let me like put the so I know you can't haul produce on electronic logs, so I'm doing something wrong, so... Rest assured, I'm looking back in the manual. You guys have a great <laughs> afternoon. Take care. Thanks, Dale. Um, so that brings me to another question uh, about put, putting your broker hat back on for a second. Chuck. Okay. Um, one of the biggest dilemmas that everybody talks about and, and that uh, they always complain about is brokers and detention. And I, I know that this is a, 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 a checky subject. There's a little bit of a conundrum. What is? Could you advise some of our listeners? What is product the, the probably the best way to handle dealing with detention on a broker load? If you don't well, have it already in your contract. Okay, there, there are no. You know the contracts uh, unless the carrier um, or the broker, unless one of them puts it out there. Every load is different because you have an awful lot of shippers, especially when you go into the fresh produce industry where the shippers and the receivers do, will not pay for demerge. They're not paying waiting time as a rule. And there's an awful lot of um, grocery chains that use our trucks 
as uh, as warehouses. And when they don't have room for our strawberries uh, in their fridges, they'll just have you wait. And sometimes it's another reason because there's too many trucks in the door at one time for one reason or another. And uh, as a rule, that segment of the industry does not pay uh, any waiting time. And I'm not saying it's it's fair, and I'm not saying it's right. It's the way it is, and there's been some talk in your country, and I think that you know it's high time about legislating uh, shippers and receivers to start paying for trucks that uh, that are waiting at their docks. And it should have happened before electronic logs and the new reset, which is questionable, and everything else. That should have been the first thing. And I think uh, one of your um, I think his name is Peter de Blasio or Peter something from um, right. he's a, from, the, from Oregon. That's right. And he put that forward probably about 18 to 24 months ago, and it was hushed up. But that's the way it should have gone. Uh, I think that the um, U.S. government has put the, uh, the cart way before the horse on this. And it right. should be, you know, there should be rules. But since there's not, the industry will dictate it. And I did read somewhere that there are certain members of our industry that don't want it legislated, which I can't really understand, but they must have their own reasons for that. I think uh, everybody is really cautious about having a lot of government intervention. And they, they, and especially in this country, they, a lot of people feel like, you know, we've, we've been leg- legislated to death with all the different regulations that have come down the pipe. So, and I think that some of some folks feel like maybe business let the free market handle them, um, and it, and it's a catch twenty two because um, you know be careful about what you ask for because you just might get it, and, and and who's to say that whatever they decide to legislate, if it's going to be fair or you know or, or if it's going to be um, actually going to help or is it actually going to hurt? Uh, sometimes government, sometimes government is good for, it's good for business in some sense, in some senses it, it can hurt business. It's, it's uh, kind of yeah, a, I agree. You got, you got people on the, you got people on the fence on both, both ends of the issue on, on, on as far as the government intervention is, is required. I think that there's absolutely, um, I think everybody absolutely agrees that something's got to be done. I think Martin Transportation, they've kind of set a, new precedents with their new detention policy. They were at uh, two hours, but I think now recently they went to a one-hour detention time. After that, they'll start paying their drivers uh, for detention. Um, And and I think that right now, and and tying it back to rates and lanes, and maybe you can shed some light on this part of it as well, with the capacity as, as tight as it is, and while right now it's kind of a trucker's market, if you will, if you, if you say a shipper's market versus a trucker's market, I think it's more of a trucker's market right now. And while it's a trucker's market, the, the, the motor carriers need to be taking advantage of it and getting all of the things that, you know, we've kind of been laxed on leaving on the table over previous years in, in the lean time and actually kind of, you know, uh, putting things back in where we're actually getting the things that we actually need. What, what do you say about that? 
You know what? That, that's very profound what you just said, and you're you are spot on the money there, Rico. Um, it has been for ever since I got in the industry, uh, or shortly after, uh, especially with since deregulation, and it has become more and more of a um, it became more and more of a shippers market. When I first got in it, it was a truckers market. It's changed, and now um, it is turning into a truckers market again. And there is a capacity issue, and all of a sudden, I am noticing that ship smart shippers. You've got shippers that want to keep their head buried in the sand, and they will give a load to anybody. They don't care, you know. They'll give it to an unscrupulous broker, um, and they don't care if they they think they're going to get away with. Uh, if that broker doesn't pay the carrier, they think that they're going to get away with it, and they're not. Um, and they will give a. Uh, a load directly to a carrier that's got a horrendous safety rating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all they're worried about is the cheapest rate. They don't give a darn about anything else. Uh, those guys are going to be, you know, all they're worried about is, is cutting rates and getting the, the, the cheapest transportation they can. Those people are going to end up dying on the vine because all of a sudden I'm noticing being treated with a lot more respect out there as a transportation provider that can actually bring them trucks, whether it's through my brokerage arm or through my asset arm, people are, are taking notice and going, hold on, you can get my product to market. I was just at a meeting today with a uh, large retailer up here in Canada, and I was expecting to, you know, a little bit of a battle. And uh, they were questioning, there were a few areas where my rates were high. And I said to them, you know, my rates are high because that's what it takes to service those particular lanes. Uh, you know, feel free to give it to uh, my competition that's that much less, but feel free to call me when he can't deliver because I know what it costs. And they listen. They say, you know what, we think we're going to give you that because we like your answer. And I'm seeing more and more of that type of behavior from shippers uh, and also from uh, you know, from people that are buying freight from freight buyers, they're taking notice of the capacity. They want to keep their their shelves full. If they can't, then they're not in business. So, and this leads me to another question. I'm just going to remind all the callers that are on the line. If you have a question for for Chuck, just hit number one to put you in the queue, and we'll get right to you. Um, but but jumping right back into what what you were just saying right there, Chuck, when you talk about you were you were speaking with a, a potential customer there when. A motor carrier is going in and, and trying to solicit for direct freight. How important, can you speak of the importance of actually being able to go in and actually educate your potential uh, client or customer as to the service that you're bringing to the table, the, 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 the value that you're bringing to the table for them, and also, um, you know, just, just to kind of help really educate them as to what the pricing structure is, and, and, help, and help justify that. How important is it to be able to handle those objections and different questions and, and be able to provide them with, uh, you know, make sure you're just not going in there and, and doing like the okay corral and just shoot from the hill? Well, you can't because, first of all, you've got, you're dealing with educated buyers. And those buyers are dealing with, they're dealing with professionals in our industry. You're not going to pull the wool over their eyes. There's no way. Uh, the chances of you dealing with any customer that, that has any credibility at all 
to get you to what you need as a as a carrier. And I'm talking about customers that have either the volume or that have the financial strength to take you where you need to go as a carrier, whether you're a small carrier or a large carrier. If they've got a transportation buyer, he or she, they, they know their numbers. Uh, they know they know the truth. They know what to look for. And you're not going to kid any of them about anything. They're, we're living in a very transparent world. Right. And, and you know, uh, you can tell them. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 I don't want to interrupt your thought. You're on a roll. Go ahead. Well, no, you can tell them that you've got brand new equipment, and when your 30-year-old trailer shows up, they'll know darn well you don't. How important is that? You've you got to be honest. You know, to certain customers, yes. It really depends what they're shipping. If you have a customer that's shipping, um, that's shipping expensive uh, product like meats or computers, uh, yeah, they want newer equipment. Um, if you're shipping to somebody where you're picking up at a uh, distribution center or a warehouse or a factory and you're going to be delivering to a distribution center, uh, they're not that worried unless it's a heavy product. If it's rolls of paper that weigh 44 or 45,000 pounds, uh, they want to know that your your trailers are going to withstand uh, the weight of their product without breaking, you know, breaking in half, because they don't want to worry right. about a claim. So I notice that in the U.S., uh, more and more paper companies, for example, are demanding that trailers be no more than ten years old. Right. Right. I've I, I ran across that as well. And today, something I was actually making some cold calls today, and I contacted a potential customer and. We were in the constant in the course of our conversation. I told him I was an asset-based carrier, and he kind of said, "Oh, well, we only deal with brokers." And then that's when I whipped out, "Well, I'm also an agent for a broker, and and I can also handle, you know, if you only deal with brokers." And, but I asked him, I was like, "Well, why is it that you only deal with uh, brokers instead of going direct with with the uh, carrier?" And his response was kind of befuddling to me, but at the same time, when he when he gave it to me. I said that I definitely wanted to mention this tonight on the air as well, is that the reason that he wants to deal directly with a broker versus a carrier is because his previous experience when dealing with carriers, they always wanted com checks or fuel advances. They didn't have enough finances to uh, complete the load or do the work that they were trying to do without uh, wanting money up front. How... Uh, I know you spoke to it when you said about knowing your numbers and everything, but uh, can you can you speak to that point about how important it is to make sure that you know we got to make sure that we we are on top of our game, knowing our numbers, but also being able to deliver a service without being because if you're in business, you got to be able to perform without getting paid up front. Um, Nobody is going to you know what, and if if anybody needs to be paid up front. They really shouldn't be in this game as far as dealing with the shippers directly, unless they're hauling produce. And sometimes produce, you can you can get away with that. But, you know, if you're hauling loads of cookies or loads of doors or loads of chairs, those people are loads of steel. Those people aren't going to pay you up front. So go and deal with a, a broker um, that's going to uh, pay you up front or give you cash advances or – or else get yourself a bank line 
or worse than worse, deal with a factoring company. Right. But you can't be going to the the customer and asking them for money. If it, it, it's just you know, it's not the way you're going to build your business. Unless right. you are lucky enough, you know, unless you're lucky enough, and that happens, Rico. I've heard of it uh, in the old days where there were customers out there that were so grateful for decent price transportation that they would they would wire the guys money and uh, and give them cash advances and everything else but you know that was years ago uh, you know I don't hear of that any any more with anything else other than produce hmm. so typically when you when you have a direct customer if, if someone is fortunate enough to go out and win over direct customer as far as terms are concerned what type of what should someone be expecting for uh, pay terms as far as well, time to get paid? You know, it's anywhere. It ranges from uh, normal business practice is seven to forty-five days. And I got to tell you, Rico, I've got some large, large customers in the U.S. that are you know huge multinationals that take over ninety days. And that takes, you know, that takes an awful lot of cash flow to be able to support that. Right. So, you know, having a customer that takes 90 days is not for every carrier. And these guys said right off the bat, when we started doing business, we'll do business with you. We will be here forever, but we pay our bills in 90 days. And that's how we like to do it. And, and we like to deal with carriers that will accept those terms. And if you won't, uh, you won't get a lot of freight out of here. Mm. Mm. Okay. And I got to tell you, you know what? When you're buying diesel fuel at four bucks a gallon, and you got to wait ninety days for your money. You got to have a rich uncle or a good bank line, or you know, or have saved up a bunch of money. Okay, and and that's dealing with direct direct customers. So that is that's a direct question, customer. Another kind of question that kind of popped up in, in the course of. Uh, going through some different things with different motor carriers, we were talking about uh, having customers fill out a um, credit line, well, not a credit line, but a credit application or something like to that effect, where yes. you actually go in and, and begin to, uh, you know, pull credit and check them out and to see important is, you know, is that is that step as far as protecting your business and making sure that you uh, – or doing the things that you need to do, and also, uh, you know, just just from a professionalism standpoint, how important Rico, is that? It, I can't stress how important that is. That's the, uh, you know, you can go out and you can make sales calls, and you can go and visit people, and you can get, you can promise them, and they can promise you, but when you're hauling a load for somebody, you're lending them money, and Having owned trucks for you know the last forty years, I don't think you have a a listener out there that can afford to lend anybody money that can't afford to get paid back. So right. when we go to to hook up to that load, we need to be able to get paid because we're lending the customer money for the services we're doing. In order to do that, what we really need to do is we need to check them out. Uh, we need to do credit references, and credit references are important, but they're not always accurate. 
because sometimes somebody can give you names of relatives and friends, and we've had that happen. Um, you also need to subscribe to a credit agency who will, you know, there, there's several of them, uh, and Sonia Credit, and I don't want to be, you know, Dun & Bradstreet and all sorts of them, uh, whichever one suits you best. And you subscribe to these credit agencies, and they will do an in-depth uh, check on, and they're pretty accurate, some of them, as to how long it takes this company to pay their bills. They may tell you that they pay their bills in 30 days, and they pay in 90 or 120. Right. And you don't want to find that out after. You know, after you've run a trip from New York to California or California to New York, and you go to collect the money, you find out these people are deadbeats. Uh, right. You don't want that. There's not enough money, even though this is becoming a trucker's game, there's still not enough money in it, Rico, to, you know, uh, to be able to afford those losses. So it's really so important what, to know who you're dealing with. So what would be your advice to the small guy that's wanting to try to grow? What type of customer should he be targeting? Niche tar- customers. Uh, he's got to pick. They have to pick their market, okay? You're not going to, if you have two or three trucks, you're not going to compete with the, you know, the, the J.B. Hunts of the world, um, you know, or any of the large players. You've got to go niche market. Find a customer in your area that needs you. Maybe he's got uh, several, maybe he's got milk runs. Is it, you know, if it's dry freight, there's nothing wrong with dry freight, but, it's not as uh, you know. It's not as lucrative as other types of freight. Tanker freight is more lucrative. Uh, some of your uh, some of your hopper freight, some of your greens that go in hoppers, you know, and some of those convertible hoppers are pretty uh, unique pieces of equipment. Uh, open deck. I you know I do a lot of deck work. Not much with my own fleet. I've only got about ten deck trucks uh, total in the whole fleet. But I certainly broker out a ton of deck freight all over North America, especially uh, point-to-point in the U.S. We have all sorts of loads going all over. And I can tell you there is a shortage of deck equipment. And, you know, something, if, if you can afford it, go buy a deck that's got um, what they call a conestoga. Uh, you know, it's got the sliding tarp system on the sides. Uh, the only thing that prevents you from doing is doing oversize. But you don't have to be out there tarping loads at 30 or 40 below zero or in the rain. And they pay a premium, uh, and they're e- you can be you know, loaded just as quick as you can a van, really. Uh, but it's those niche markets. If you really want to grow, don't get in the same game as everybody else. Because you're just another, you know, you're just another carrier that, that's got to take the lowest paying freight, go a little bit specialized, you know, maybe become a hazardous carrier. Not a lot of people want to, you know, differentiate yourself from the herd. It's so important. So, um, I do refrigerated. I got, I'm going to be selfish. I got, I got quite a few callers on the line, but everybody's kind of being bashful tonight, Chuck. So if you want to talk to Chuck tonight, just push number one and we'll get you right up to him. But uh, I'm, I'm gonna take advantage of you while I got you, Chuck. <laughs> I got. Go I'm doing refrigerated. I'm doing refrigerated. So, uh, and I and I've had this question from other people, and I, and I've said, well, you know, I, I I can't really speak to it with any authority, and and uh, you know, I'm gonna pick your brain on it. What about 
buying a uh, multi-temp reefer where you can do uh, more than more than just one temperature as far as a refrigerated trailer is concerned. Is there a ton of freight out there potentially for that, or what's your been your experience with that? Uh, I don't have any personal experience uh, with them, except I have a good friend of mine that's got a couple, and he's doing fantastic with them. Um, you've got to get the customer freight that uh, that pays. Now, I can tell you that in both our countries, there is a huge shortage of temperature-controlled LTL carriers. So it's just, you know, there's a niche market. Um, you know, in the U.S., you've got a couple of players for, that are hauling frozen food on an LTL basis. Um, you know, even fresh, uh, again, you've got a huge shortage. Uh, and, you know, with, with some frozen freight and, uh, and some fresh freight, you can put other types of freight on with it. You just have to be careful with food product, what it is. But there's a huge, you know, potent, those are the sorts of things that there's potential. But you've got to make sure you've got the, the customer that will, um, that will buy that service. And, you know, there's, you know, the good thing is that there's an awful lot of brokers out there, and you have to pick a lane, and you have to go to the brokers, you know, in all those cities that, let's say, if you're picking between, um, Miami and uh, and uh, Washington D.C. I would go to all the brokers in every city, up and down the coast, and say, "Listen, I'm you know I'm looking at getting this trailer. Uh, what have you got going up and down 95?" And okay. approach it that way. I wouldn't go out and buy one of these trailers unless you have some customer base. Or, or you think you do, or you're actually you're pretty sure that you do, that's going to support it, because these are expensive trailers. Yes, they are. You know, yes, but there's a are. huge, yeah, there's a huge advantage of being able to do that. And, you know, and that's how you build, you know, that's how you build a business. You look at any of the specialized refrigerator carriers in the U.S., um, you know, that do something different other than haul fruits and vegetables. You know, and there's two of them out of um, out of uh, Fl- South Florida. I can think of um, Armelini and Florida Beauty. I don't know if you know them, but they, right. those guys have they've built empires hauling fresh flowers with teams. You know, they're both great carriers, um, but they've got a niche. You know, they're not hauling uh, oranges out of Florida during the brief produce season. You know, they have their peaks right. and valleys. But people are always buying fresh flowers, and, and it's an industry exactly. like that. You know, whatever it is, uh, you know, maybe you can go to, you know, to a beer manufacturer in your area and, and you know, uh, line up some business there where they need some temperature control. I don't know, uh, whatever's in your area. Maybe some of these, um, some of these small breweries where they're not shipping a full load, but they're shipping right. quarter right. loads into, you know, from. Uh, from east to west to west to east, because beer is like water; it moves all around. Right, and it, and those things are popping up everywhere. I, I've, I've actually uh, I actually had a customer when I was in South Carolina that I was doing some shipping for with uh, with the microbrewery. Um, well, Chuck, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, this is the Rate and Lanes podcast, and we're going to get a little bit more specific about dealing with uh, rates and lanes. If say, let's say for instance, you uh and you have a load that you're trying to move, and it's in a really tight market. How um, 
how do you respond to a carrier that's uh we got a guy one of our one of our members of uh, founders of the rate rates and lane uh, uh the rate per mile masters chad bobley he's a really aggressive guy he was doing the presentation with me up at the cmc uh, right. he's really he's really aggressive in his negotiation um now when, when if if you got a guy like that and, and you're in a tough market how how after are you with uh, leaning as far as negotiating what's your negotiating style or, or how does that come across to you as as a broker well first of all if you have a load to move and you need a truck you pay for it let's be honest um, this isn't, you know, if he's got the truck and it's in a location where we need it, um, we're in that position, we're acting on behalf of the customer. And, you know, it goes back to working with your customer. Our, our customers know that we work with them. Uh, we have posted late, you know, rates for customers, but they certainly understand that there's times a year where there's no equipment in an area. And they will have to pay more money during that time of year. And that time of year could be, it could last three months. It could be just, you know, a very temporary thing for a couple of weeks. But there's just no equipment whatsoever. So when that happens, when, when, that, when, that, when, you, have, when you find yourself in that predicament, uh, are you surprised? Uh, if, if you know that you're in a tough market, how surprised are you sometimes if you if you happen to broker a load and you actually end up brokering it for cheaper than what you were initially expecting to broker? What what is your what what goes through? It your happens. Mind? <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you that's a great question, Rico. And I have a I have a philosophy, and it's probably what's kept me uh, in business for the last 35 years. I look at the loss, okay. And let's say it's even, and you know what, I've had loads cost me thousands in a loss. But I look at the loss and I look at the customer. And I go, well, okay, I'm going to lose $1,000. Now, if a guy walked in here and said, Chuck, give me $1,000 and I'll give you this account. And this account right. is going to give me, um, let's say, $500,000 a year in you know, in revenue, not profit, but in revenue, but there's going to be some profit at the end. My answer is going to be, well, I'd gladly pay $1,000 for that. Well, there's my answer. So we do That's lose great, money. Yeah. We lose money pretty consistently on certain loads. No, but, but what I'm saying is, say, like, for instance, if you say, say, all right, let me paint a better picture. Say if you have a load, it's, uh, uh, say for instance, you're going. You got a load that's going from Atlanta to uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and say right. in that lane you're prepared. You're prepared to pay twelve hundred dollars to the truck, but you get right. you get a, you get a guy that calls in that that really doesn't kind of really doesn't know his, know where he needs to be or doesn't really know his information, and you ask him, you know, well, what is what do you think it's going to take to move the load, and he and he quotes you. Eight hundred bucks. What, what is your? Do you have any thoughts as, as to by being a motor carrier and also being a broker? Do you, do you have any thoughts about a situation like that? Usually, you know what? I quite often I, I I'm hesitant to even load those guys because they don't know their they don't know their business, Rico. Um, right. First of all, is it for real? You know, we have to watch out and and we do check. 
uh, we do check for, against fraud. But sometimes if it sounds too good to be real, it's not real. Right. And good when point. somebody offers when somebody offers me a load that should pay twelve, and he's offering to do it for eight, he better have a good reason. Um, you know, if he if he says to me, you know what, I'm from uh, I'm from Memphis, and I got to get back because we've got a real issue. Uh, my truck sat in Atlanta for the last two days, and I look on the on the dat, and I see there's um, you know there's no trucks in Atlanta. I know he's full of beeswax. But if you know, if I see there's 300 trucks in Atlanta, uh, I know that okay, you know what? Uh, I understand this guy's plight. He needs to get back. All right, Chuck. I look like uh, I I I've, I've beaten the bushes and I got them lining up now. Uh, okay. <laughs> let's see here. I think I know this fella right here. Let's go to caller from the eight five nine. Caller from the eight five nine. You're live and on the air. What's your name and how can we help? Hey, hey there, Rico. It's Boblin. How you doing? <laughs> All right, Chad. <laughs> I, I'm listening, and I just came up. I just thought of a good question to ask. Uh, ask Chuck and Chuck. We met at the CMC. Yes, I remember uh, you. I, I was really impressed with you. All right, cool. I appreciate that. Oh, you, you were talking. I just came across another question. I, I might have a few questions for you, but uh, one question: You do a lot of brokering, and you're a carrier as well. That's right. Um, and this is a debate that I have quite often, and I really don't win at it, and I don't lose at it as well. But uh, the question gets brought up a lot that, um, like, I'm a carrier. Who uh, in the negotiating part of it? I th- my my opinion is that. Whenever I go into the negotiating with a broker, I, I know what my price is. I, I should know what my price is. I shouldn't be asking the broker what his price is to move his load. Because I'm the carrier, I should be setting the price of what – I should know what my price is to move his load. I shouldn't be – that's the way – my opinion about it. What is your opinion about it? How do you approach that? It works both ways. Uh, as a carrier um, going to a broker. Well, you know what? There are – you know what you, as a carrier, you know what you need, okay? Now, sometimes as a broker, I know what I'm going to pay because that's the going rate for certain things. Uh, yeah. You know, with produce, let's just say uh, cherries out of Washington this week are paying $6,500. Well, that's what they're paying, okay? They're not paying 7000 They're not paying 4000 They're paying $6,500. Uh, you know, a load from... Uh, Chicago, Illinois to Toronto may be paying 1300 this week. And if you call and say, I want $1,800, i will go, well, you know, that's great, but I can't pay it to you. So there's a market. We, we live in a live market pretty much on everything. And it's, it's based on supply and demand. And I'm sure you've been in areas where there was just no, uh, no freight, and you probably got paid a little bit of extra, or there was a market change somewhere. And, you know, you were somewhere and, and there was no freight, and you gladly took a load that paid less than what you wanted. Yes, happens often. And it happens to us, too. You know, we're running yeah. trucks, and, and we run into an area where, you know, usually it's fantastic, and all of a sudden it's just, you know, it's dry. Uh, and it happens, but it's two-way street. I know that on some of my domestic U.S., I know how many miles it is, uh, but you know, some of it is uh, some of it is specialized freight. So you know, if you if there's not a lot of flatbeds or step deck equipment or double drop decks in there, and you phone me and you say, listen, uh, you know, I need forty two hundred dollars for this, 
um, you know, I can't argue. And in certain areas right now, certain regions throughout North America, there are pockets where uh, where it's dry. There are no trucks. I just had it this week. I had a shipment out of South Dakota, and uh, it was just one large skid. It was a uh, it was a Detroit engine that was coming back to Canada, and there were no trucks anywhere near. It took me, you know, two days till we moved the load for the customer. It was just an LTL, but still, we wanted to do a good job. Um, and I watch these things just to see trends. And you know, you can sometimes there's all sorts of trucks near, and it just changes, you know, almost day to day because we're in this spot market. Yeah, true. Um, if if the broker calls me, I, I'm definitely I'm in position to be able to give my rate. You know, the if the broker calls me and he's he mentions his rate, it, it just it really doesn't matter to me what his rate is because he called me. He's wanting my service, and he's and, and so I'll, I'll let him know is your rate negotiable. I'll ask him, and and always it's it's always negotiable, and uh, that that's more of a position where. My rate usually sticks more, but if I have to call the broker and ask him for his load, then I'm more likely to do it at his rate, is, is what I found in the past. You know, that's a uh, you know that that's a really good point. But I do have uh, guys phoning me uh, that you know for loads I have posted sometimes, and I will ask them, well, what's your rate? You know, uh, what do you need? And Usually, you know, sometimes they're high and sometimes they're, you know, signs that work so really well. Uh, you does know, and they've given me a fair price. Does it bother you very bad if they're too high? No. Um, I don't take it personally. You know, it's, it, you, geez, if you took everything personally as business, you wouldn't last <laughs> a week. Um, he's looking for, you know what, some people are unreasonable, okay? And if somebody yeah. calls me, I know what something should pay for 1,300 miles for any type of equipment within range. And if somebody yeah. tells me they need, you know, for a uh, van load going 1,300 miles from, uh, you know, let's say Buffalo to, uh, you know, to mid-state Florida uh, or something like that, and they tell me they need $8,000, I know the guy is just not being realistic. And nobody's right. going to load him. I'm certainly not. Uh, he doesn't really want to do business. But if he really wants to move his truck, he will give me a rate depending on, and the rate will vary, uh, you know, is it a dry van or is it a reefer? If it's a dry van and he's going down into that region, well, maybe melons are running or, or maybe something else that he can put in that wagon uh, coming out of that region that pays reasonably well so the southbound rate will be cheaper. Um, I think you have more, other than the northeast, I think for the most part, uh, you have more consistency on rates all over in the U.S. You guys have no idea what a wonderful playground you have there uh, in the U.S. Yeah, I just I'm always fascinated by it because you can move your equipment all around where we can't. Yeah, you know, we are so restricted yeah. here. Well, uh, I, and I've talked to people that's uh, that's leased on you guys, and uh, the way I understand it is is that whenever. Someone asleep, uh, you know, it's it's Canadian. So whenever you come, whenever your trucks come into uh, the states, uh, they have to they have to take a load out of the states. They take them back into Canada. They can't go nowhere. That is correct. The US. There is um, there is some rumors out there that we're allowed to pick up, like we're allowed to pick up a load in, let's say, uh, Miami and deliver it in Detroit. Uh, but I wouldn't dare take a chance with that. Uh, now, we have the licenses to do it, but 
um, we would be breaking labor laws in your country. And when we're in the United States, we are guests of Uncle Sam. And uh, we're not about to mess, you know, we're not going to tarnish that relationship. I see. All right. So they, it's true. they got to stick to it. I've, I told them before, you probably won't get caught, but uh, if that's the <laughs> – you don't want to talk – you don't want to <laughs> – well, I got I got some good friends that uh, that work for you, and uh, and uh, I met them at the CMC. I didn't know the law, I didn't know the rules until I met these guys that work for it, that that work for that company. And uh, I'm like, man, y'all you're, y'all are missing out on so much because of that law. Oh yeah, we know so, that, but I there's told, nothing. I told you he's aggressive, Joe. Yeah, there's nothing we can do, and it's really. I'll tell you how insane, uh, and this is really interesting. This is how insane these laws are, um, and, and this happens to us. We leave Toronto, and we have our first delivery in Detroit, Michigan, and we unload four skids. And then we drive to Memphis, Tennessee, and we unload uh, another eight skids. And then we go to Dallas, and we unload the other uh, 12 skids. That truck is going empty. First of all, it's going with room for uh, four, four skids from Detroit to Indy, and then it's going from Indy um, to Memphis or uh, Indy to uh, to Dallas with all sorts of capacity. And here's your president on the on television recently talking about conserving fuel. And this is the sort of you know, and I'm not blaming your president. I'm just blaming how hypocritical. Uh, the whole system is. We've got trucks running on the highway half empty. Yeah. Really talking about conserving fuel over a stupid immigration policy? Right, yeah. <laughs> well, we got another call. Chuck, I know we, is. we told you we were going to keep you for about an hour. I appreciate you being so gracious with your time. Well, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Okay, you can hang out with us a little while longer. I got another caller in queue. My pleasure. Your question. No All right. Problem. Well, Chad, I'll keep you on. I'll keep you on, too. Uh, we got a caller calling in from the 704. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name and how can we help? Hey, Rico. This is Jim Bauman, the driver with Roadrunner that's strongly considering getting authority. All right. So, yeah, well, I'm going to be listening every week, but I, I started to ask you when you had Dale on last week, we, you were talking electronic logging. And I think you said Chuck might have some information. I think Chuck, did you say you have electronic logs now in your trucks? Or no? Well, we're we're gradually switching over. Uh, what we've done is we've taken pocket test cases, um, and then bit by bit we are switching over. What we did uh, we did as an experiment uh, originally, and then we've taken problematic drivers uh, that couldn't, and not that they were bad, they just had problems counting backwards. So they weren't very good at keeping paper logs. And uh, and then bit by bit, we're taking some of the best guys as well, uh, people like Dale Howard, uh, who is just, he is probably one of the most consummate professionals I've ever met uh, in our entire profession. Um, and putting him on, just as an example. So when somebody says, well, this can't be done, uh, we're proving it can be done. So what? Uh, we we are switching over bit by bit because the law states we're going to have to at some point. Well, where I'm going is we don't have to yet a road runner there. Everybody, it's the same thing, you know, like, like you said, everybody's aware that it's likely not to be an option in the next five years or so, but 
in terms of my biggest thing is I'm good at running. You know, we run our truck very efficiently. Our total cost to run our truck, we you know, we make a dollar fifty six a road runner, and only cost seventy eight of that fuel taxes. All all business costs are seventy eight, so we keep the other seventy eight to you know to pay taxes on. But the only so I'm good at that. But now if paperwork is is my enemy. I'm not. I never. I'm not good with keeping up with fuel tax information or turning in trips. You know, because we make enough money. I, I, they they always ask me like, why would you wait two months to turn in all these trips to get paid? I'm like, I don't need the money yet, and I hate doing the paperwork. I, I was going to ask with these with this electronic logging. Is, is there a system that you are? How do you? Is there a system that will do all of that? That's reasonably, you know. I was going to ask cost and, and and what are the benefits that might be tied in with that in terms of keeping track of state miles and all yeah, that. Yeah, you, you know what? If you uh, you're sat, are you on satellite or not? No, we're not. No, not at all. We're not on Qualcomm or any of that stuff. No. Okay, because you know what? If you were on a satellite system, um, that would keep track of it for you. Is that what you do? Are you on Qualcomm or something like that? Uh, we're on PeopleNet, um, and, that, and we've been and on it for for years. In that satellite, okay. Yeah. Do you, do you know? It's actually cellular, I think, but it's cellular satellite. Either way, it, was, it still tracks yeah. you. With, That's now, right. how much do you know? Do they sell for only one or two? I mean, we only have a single truck. Do they? Do they? Do you know that? What, do you mind sharing what that costs you for each truck per year or per month or you know? Um, you know what? It's probably a couple. You know, I don't even have the cost in front of me. Um, I think it's it like because we have sixty trucks on it, so we get a bit of a discount. And I don't know whether you'd have to ask somebody else as far as a single truck. Um, okay. You know what the best route is. Uh, there, there must be something out there so that you can keep track of this. Because I certainly understand your your frustration. Uh, but I'm going to give you some business advice uh, for whatever it's worth, although maybe okay. unwarranted. Uh, if you don't like doing paperwork, go and pay somebody that loves it. And yeah. get them to seriously. You'll be dollars ahead. You I never agree. wait. You know, go. And, I'm sure there's some uh, person in your town or city oh, yeah. that loves crunching numbers. And they're kind of a nerdy type person, and they're real good at it, and they're not going to charge you a fortune, and they will keep your books for you and get you paid a lot quicker. But you make sure you get the check, not them. Oh, no, yeah, no, that's your typical accountant fits that description. I, but I will say, like, I tried to get, I have, uh, what's it, what are they out of Colorado, the, the uh, ATBS. I did contact a local tax person, and she's like, well, I can, she, 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 she was a tax She's an ex-tax auditor for the IRS. You say, I know how much we can fluff in there before you'll draw a trigger. Like you can, you can. She was telling me how we can dummy up some truck washes. I'm like, oh boy, oh, I'm no, 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 away don't, from that. Yeah, don't so, even get involved in. You know, you don't want to ever. Uh, you don't want those guys uh, looking around. Don't give them reason to. That's ridiculous. And that somebody would even counsel you to do such a thing. Uh, that that's really well, not a good idea. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that, that, I wouldn't deal with anybody like that. But what you really do need is a bookkeeping service. Uh, right. and there are companies out there. Uh, what city do you live in? Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh-oh. I am I, sure I, I that in. I might be able. To, I think you might be. Able, I might be able to shed a little bit of light on this too, Chuck. Uh, just go on Google and Google. Um, EAs like uh, uh, not. I'm sorry, not EAs, but VAs, virtual assistants. 
and you can get a virtual assistant for like pennies on the dollars, and and they do uh, exactly what Chuck is talking about, and that's what they that's what they're charged with doing. Now you can get virtual assistants that are based in uh, overseas that are really cheap, or you can also you can get uh, virtual assistants that are right here in the United States and and uh, and, and and in Europe. Uh, but basically, um, they 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 have ways that you can get all types of stuff that these virtual assistants can assist you with and do for you for pennies on the dollar. So if that's if that's a conundrum and uh, that's a good advice to get someone, uh, pay someone to do something that you don't like to do, uh, and, and you'll probably come out a whole lot further ahead. So if you just go and jump on Google and Google the virtual assistant, and it'll, and it'll return back tons of different. Uh, you'll get a ton of hits on that. On that. Uh, well, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I want to add one thing, though, I feel very strongly about. Um, there are all sorts of offshore uh, opportunities. Uh, in uh, I think it's in the Philippines and India where they'll do that for you. Uh, I'm in Canada. You're in America. Uh, I'm very, very, very pro-American. Uh, I will not step foot on Cuba because of that. Uh, I buy American, uh, and so should you. Uh, we all make our living from America. We better damn well support it. Well, actually, one reason right. I want to get our authority, I, I want to put a sign on the back of our trailer that says, because they, they always talk about outsourcing is such a big deal. Well, to me, outsourcing is the worst entitlement our country allows is all this non-tariff made in China. It's just killing our manufacturing. It's coming back little by little. But Roadrunner, driving for Roadrunner, where we haul a lot of Chinese imports like the like Titan tools or whatever, I cannot put that sign on the back of my trailer without – I wouldn't even ask. I just know that that wouldn't be a good thing to do, you know. But, but I, I agree with you, Chuck. I would not outsource that at all. No. Yeah. With all disrespect, though, you know what? I think all of us have to haul product that's made offshore because if you go into any store, and it could be a, uh, you know, it could be, you know, a Walmart or a very expensive store. Uh, three quarters of the merchandise is made offshore now. It's just a fact of life. I'm not saying I support it. Uh, and you're right. Uh, industry is coming back to America slowly but surely, but unfortunately they've gotten rid of people and replaced them with robots. Yeah, I don't think a customer would mind seeing that sign. I think if I rolled into a Walmart without in the back, or I know not Lowe's here. I mean, I've, I don't think that would – I would only worry about the shipper, but I think most of them, I would just – I don't know. I'm going to have to – that's another – can I ask you one more thing, though, Chuck, hey, real quick? Anything you want. Okay, well, here's I think I've come to realize I've I started by I, we bought an old Schneider truck and we were with Schneider actually did a lease purchase on a truck that had six hundred thousand miles. It was good because it was pre EGR, so it got in the seven you in the U S scale it got seven three actually hauling forty forty two thousand pound loads over you know Charlotte to Seattle and back. So wow, I, yeah, and well, actually, our new Cascadia, by the way, we got a Cascadia 6x2, which I was worried about the traction, but last winter, we were climbing Idaho into Montana on I-90 there, and I made it up when, when, when all these 6x4s were getting stuck. I made it almost to the top, and the only reason I had to put on chains was somebody behind me. No, somebody right in front of me got stuck and blocked. They jackknifed a little bit and blocked both lanes, so then I had to come to a, you know, I try to keep going. I never let it get under 30 miles an hour if I can so, right. so just for the record, the 6 by 2 is because the, the new systems dump the air well on the go. The Meritor system dumps the rear suspension, and, and, and you lock the dif- differential. you still got two, two driven wheels, whereas the 6 by 4 when you lock the, differ- lock, when you lock the uh, power divider, you still only got two wheels because, you know, each, right. each X. So anyway, the, 
this six by two we've got, I just will share. We're getting eight now. The, the our lifetime average started at it, truck started at seven three from the factory. Well, you know, new tires, no break in. Now the the lifetime average is seven nine, but the but that's being balanced out now. We're we're hauling these forty two thousand pounds in loads, uh, and our and our averages have been eight three eight four, right in the eight three to eight four mark. So if you're I guess I just was. I'm, I'm doing a. I, I'm, I'm in love with the Cascadia with that DD15 and that automated transmission, direct drive, blah blah blah. Du- dual tires. I don't like this wide singles. But. You don't like it. We're trying the uh, the uh, super singles out in Calgary. Dale's driving uh, one of our Volvos with one, and he's loving it. Well, you know what though? If you look, because of now it is because of Michelin. I will. I will say I ran the wide singles for five years. And the problem why I don't like them are two reasons. I've, thrown, I've blown two where, I, where the casing was on its side in, in, in a car, a small car hit one of those and almost ripped the oil pan, you know, whereas as a dual you would have a lot less of that. You know, I offered to – luckily it didn't hurt the car. I just told the driver, I said, look, I don't want to do any accident thing. I'll pay you on the spot a couple thousand bucks if you, or get, I'll, you can have my driver license number. You know, it, it, and they, luckily they didn't want anything because it didn't hurt the car. But then I was thinking, right. you know, if that was, a, I just don't like the danger of, of that casing. And I actually called Michelin, asked them if they have lawsuits, and they said, well, we can't comment. But yes, this is a litigious society, and we, 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 I basically got the clue that there were lawsuits based on that dangerously high. So that was one point I will make. And we're not seeing. Basically, they forced Bridgestone didn't have a good wide single. They had they had one, but it was high rolling resistance. Right. So these Ecopias. Now, if you look even at Michelin's own website, like we run the Ecopia duals on our trailer, and they are the same rolling resistance as the Michelin Energy single. So so now you and they wear better because they don't get that funny wear on the on the inside edge that all that the wide singles get. Right. So I'm, I, I will say, if you get any of that, I, I firmly believe that it's a better move in the long run to run the Bridgestone Ecopia duels, and that's and that's somebody that did run the uh, the, the Michelin Energy wide singles for five years in a row. Uh, wow. But anyway, my yeah, because you know we like a Roadrunner. I shouldn't say this, but we can get on a, on a volume discount. I pay, I pay only three sixteen as a, as one of their drive. Our cost before FET on those Bridgestone Ecopias is only three sixteen for the trailers. So, I mean, you can get a good price on those if you've got some volume. Uh, wow. Far deeper than the Michelin. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know what? You could probably make more money selling tires right now than you can trucking. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I, and actually, it's funny because before I could get the discount, I did do that. I went, if I, when I, at Schneider, they don't pass so much of the, they keep half the fuel discount, half the tires. That's what we were with Schneider before. And, and right. I'm like, you know what? I can, I can buy these okay. tires through another driver, you know, and, and then just what, pay him the uh, cash. Of course. What, what, you, had a, you had a question before we move on. We got another call I want to get. Okay, oh, yeah. Here, my my only thing is, I was going to ask. I'm beginning to see that these fleets that dump a tractor in five years, five hundred thousand miles in a trailer in ten years, is the way to go. I I just bought a ten year old Schneider trailer, and even with a spring ride, you end up throwing so much money into it in terms of the that you, you need you need all these parts that you don't. I was just going to see what Chuck thought about that. It, 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 it seems a little. A lot of us that are just getting in, it looks smart to buy this cheap equipment, but I think the fleets get rid of them at 10 years on the trailer, five years, 500,000 mile on the tractor for a reason. I just wanted to comment on that. Well, you know what? There's, uh, first of all, as far as the trailer, 10-year-old trailer, uh, I wouldn't, in most cases, I wouldn't touch it. Uh, five-year-old tractor, uh, if it's pre, uh, pre-emission, yeah, I think it's, you know, I'm a, I am a believer uh, because... I know that you know. At first, we did have some problems with uh, with these Volvos with sensors that weren't any different than I know 
any of our guys that have new trucks are having sensor problems at first with new trucks. Um, I don't know what you had with your Cascadia, if you've had any, but maybe they're all beyond that. Um, the new trucks are getting, you know, once you break them in, they're getting decent fuel mileage, and they're real comfortable, and they're safe, and they've got all sorts of great features. Uh, my God, they're expensive. Where the, um, you know, you can pick up a, well, actually, even the older stuff is starting to hold its value because people are realizing the value of it because it's easy to work on. And you don't have all these emission right. things. Well, Chuck, I think we got one more. We're going to wrap this baby up. We're going to bring it in for a landing. So, caller, you get to have the last word. You're calling in from the 602. What's your name and how can we help? Hi, this is Robert, uh, and thank you for all you're doing, gentlemen. I have a question going back to the uh, earlier comment you met, made uh, about uh, keeping up with the market. As a single truck owner or even a two, three, five truck owner, you just kind of to survive if you don't have your direct shippers and all. You just need to know what's going to happen where to be on top of $3 rates going somewhere for $3 and hauling something back for 90 cents. So just spotting the trend, what do you use? What would you recommend using, whether it's Internet Truck, uh, internet truck Stop or uh, that load board? Which tools do you use to kind of see where the demand and supply is going to kind of stay in those lanes while you're out so you can have a predictable revenue rather than ups and downs, ups and downs? Well, I think that you're, you know what, it, you're playing the, uh, you're, you're playing the spot market yourself when you're, you're sending your truck wherever there's freight and you're taking a risk and being a two or three or even a one truck operation, I sometimes wonder if you're better off and, and the most successful people I've seen, even the two, two truck operators, they pick a, they pick a region and that's where they go and they don't go anywhere else but there. And people get to know, well, you know what, if you need a truck uh, in this particular thing, call this guy because that's where he goes. With two or three trucks, you got a big uh, nut to cut off with trying to mount all of the United States. It's too big. Um, where, where do you live? Where are you based out of? Arizona. Okay, are you running produce or are you running drive-in? Drive-in. Drive-in, well, especially if you're running drive-in. Um, you need to, and I don't know your market uh, very well as far as drive-in out of Arizona, um, but you need to pick, uh, you need to pick an area where you can comfortably work. Uh, do you have drivers, or are you a single owner operator? Right now, I'm still a single uh, single truck owner. Single operator. truck. Okay, that's fine. You'll always make money with one truck. And how old is your truck? It's a. Uh... Uh, 2006, it's eight years old, but, you know, okay, I've been a lot of money. It's in good running but, condition. Oh, no, that's fine. Listen, I'm not, uh, you know, I've got a couple of uh, older trucks, too, of my own that uh, I won't part with. You know, it's a long story, but I don't like to, I don't like to, I get more emotionally attached, as my business partners say. Um, what you need to do then, first of all, you're not going to be going into California, I wouldn't think, with that truck. Am I correct? Uh... Uh, partially. I do have a pass for now in California until they decide and make up their minds what they're doing. Okay, so if you can go to California, my understanding is is that freight from California 
into Phoenix pays very well. I don't know how far you live from Phoenix. Well, I I do. Right now, the freight is great in uh, Phoenix in Arizona, too. Uh, it's just as good as it is in uh, Southern California. But okay. I was just asking in general terms, you know, to 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 just see the trends, to, to see supply and demand for lanes so region. Yeah, I know, but this is where we get in trouble, you see, because uh, all of a sudden it's like, and I've seen this for, you know, the last 40 years, uh, all of a sudden when melons start happening uh, in South Florida in Homestead and there's no trucks, well, the first load of melons, uh, you know, pays 4 or $5 a mile because there's no trucks and there's lots of melons. <laughs> and then the word on the street comes out that, uh, hey, get down to Homestead because they're paying five bucks a mile, and the next week they're paying three bucks. And you know, by the time the melon season's over, there there's a thousand trucks and two loads of melons, and that's what happens. And especially more today, when everything is so transparent, that I don't think that it's. Uh, I really don't think with a dry van you can be playing that game successfully. I think you're much smarter. Pick a lane, do a little bit of homework. Find a shipper that's shipping from somewhere into Phoenix that'll pay you very well, and I would just run that truck back and forth. Have you looked at doing less than truck loaded or like partial loads? I I try to do all right. You know, I uh, right now I have loads out of Arizona and back into Arizona from Dallas, uh, so I always find my way to and from home. Uh, Pretty reasonable uh, rates and everything else. I was just Good. Well, maybe you found a, you know, maybe you have found yourself a niche, and if it's right. working, then you then you expand on that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's very very difficult, and that's what happens to a lot of us. We, uh, you know, we get good on one lane, and then we decide to expand and expand, and before we know it, we're not good at anything, and we just, you know, we're, we just end up being mediocre. And it's very difficult to be good going to 50 different destinations unless you've got a lot of trucks. Right. And that was kind of some of the stuff that, that I kind of recommend as far as trying to build you out what I call the dumbbell theory or, you know, find you, uh, throw down your dumbbell, find you a, within a 50-mile radius or wherever it is that you live, pick out another area, you know, and, and do some research on your lane. Uh, try to, you know, there, there are many tools that are out there. I didn't get a chance to go over the DAT uh, trend lines, but it comes out every Wednesday, and it gives some insight as to what rates are, what rates are doing in, in various different parts of the country. Uh, Chuck, I told you we were, that was going to be the last call, but somebody else just clicked in. You want to take one more real quick? And we'll try I'd to be more than happy to. I'm enjoying this. All right, let's see. Caller from the 315, you are on the air. How, what's your name and how can we help? Hi, Rico. It's uh, Karam calling from uh, Montreal, Montreal, Quebec. Uh, appreciate you taking the call. You guys are doing a great job here. Thanks a lot, hey, Jeff, thank for coming you. on and uh, giving us, educating us. Nice to have another Canadian on board. Yeah, sure. Jack, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to meet you. I was at the CMC at the 2013 CMC. I, I didn't get a chance to meet you there, but... You know, I'm I'm happy. Hopefully, we'll see uh, see you next year at the CMC. Well, if you're running, if you're ever running through uh, Milton, Ontario, stop by the terminal. I'm always here. Perfect. I will actually make a. I'll make sure I'll do that for you. Okay. What is make your sure name? I'll come and see. You. 
Uh, my name is Karam. Karam? Okay. Well, you come and see me uh, at the traffic's terminal in Milton, uh, exit 320 off the 401. Perfect. I will definitely do that. Uh, Chuck, I have my own authority. I got my authority in July of 2013. Right. Uh, just a one one truck for now. I run yep. a dry van. Yeah. Out of uh, out of Quebec. I try to run a lot of northeast, a uh, little bit of Midwest, and I'm trying to figure out what will be the best markets or like different equipment. You know, I, I have experience with uh, tankers, but not really sure how to get into that kind of industry at this point. That's a tough one. I, the only way you're gonna, uh, the only way you're gonna mount that one with a single operator tanker is you're gonna have to go to a shipper. Um, I would probably suggest somebody that's shipping something like uh, soap, or you, you've got a company in Montreal called Lavo, L-A-V-O. Um, yes, I know who they are. Yeah, I would go into a place like that and talk to the logistics manager. Do not go out and buy a tanker unless you have a customer, okay? Uh, oh. and the, the other thing you may be able to do, and I don't know whether uh, they even – I know they hire owner-operators, but I don't know if they hire owner-operators with their own tankers. Um, you always go to somebody like a, uh, you know, um, Harmac or uh, Trimac or one of those companies. Yeah, and, you should uh, actually work for Harmac as an owner-operator. Okay, well, I, I don't know – Okay, I don't know whether I know they hire owner operators, but I don't know what the rule is with their own tankers uh, no, because of liability and everything else. Yeah, you're yeah, probably best off. Uh, you know what, uh, Carm, as a single owner operator, uh, and you want to pull a tank wagon, go and find something like vegetable oil, inverted sugar, um, one of those commodities that is not really, you know, uh, it's not hazardous. Um, you know, soap, something like that, other than environmentally hazardous. Uh, and I think you have a chance there. Okay. Um, will, uh, you know, as far as if, you know, running. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Another way I looked at it was actually going to see somebody that actually sells tankers and ask them if they would be any of assistance. But I'm sure they will, you know, since they want no. to sell me their tanker, they would. No, they want to sell you a tanker. They'll sell you anything. Go get the customer, <laughs> then get the tank, because you don't know, no, 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 first no. of all, you don't know what sort of tank you need. No, that is exactly what I mean. Yeah, that's, that is true. But what I meant to say was more like ask them what kind of if they know how to get into the business because this is a completely new site, you know. I I've never heard of it. I've done a lot well, of I, I think I think what I think what Chuck is saying is that it, it, it would make it would be they have a vested interest in selling you the tank. They're not necessarily uh, would be really just business advisors as to telling you how to get into the business. Uh, the thing about it that you're going to have to probably do is just buckle down and, and, and do the hard work and try to find, seek out those customers that I think Chuck is giving you some really great uh, some great advice as far as try to seek out those customers that are shipping whatever it is that will go on a tank. And that goes for any segment of any kind of uh, equipment that you have, whether it be a, a step deck, flatbed, reefer, dry box. What ships in those, on those type of equipments 
go find those go find those customers and speak to those customers and see if you can't. Um, one of the things that Nastic tells you when you go to one of their classes is the best time to hire. When is they they they, they pose a question? They say when is the best time to hire a driver? When you got a truck or when you got a driver? Well, first you need to find the driver, then get the truck. It's easy to get That's a truck. Right. It's hard to find a good driver. So you know that is true. He's, so he, he so he's giving you a, a process to you know begin to go do do the hard work and do the do the homework and find the potential find go go and interview your potential customers eliminate your your your, your prospects from your suspects and and go get them and get to get those guys lined up and and uh, are actually able to feed your family when you when you make a move into that sector. I'm guessing, Carm, uh, I've got a strong feeling that if you went to a a small manufacturer or somebody, you'll probably have more luck with a somebody like a vegetable oil manufacturer or somebody like that. It's got to be like a food product. Um, and you went to them, there's probably a real need for local work that you could get onto. I don't know how much... Uh, you know, I don't know uh, how much opportunity there is for long distance stuff. Because remember, when they have a load going to uh, to the West Coast or or down south, they they're going to want to call one of the big guys because they're going to. You know, I'm guessing, but I bet you for local work, one of those companies would want somebody pretty steady. Yeah, no, uh, that is true. That's that's actually what I was looking at. I was looking at a regional run somewhere nearby, local. You know, would be would be the best. Oh, if definitely. I could get somebody, yeah, because long distance, it won't make sense for me because, you know, since I won't, I'll end up in a location where I have no contacts at all. That's right. And, and you know, you have like, to deal uh, with, yeah, yeah you got to deal it's with washing like, this thing out in the middle of, you know, they're hard to get washed out. And uh, yeah. it's just, you know, as you know, it's not an easy game, but if you could do it locally and haul the same product, all the time, it makes it. That's a great business. Uh, you got a lot of money to invest, you know, if, if you want to do it, because these things aren't cheap. Right, right. Well, Chuck, I'm, I'm trying to. We ran, still ran a little bit over eight thirty, but I just wanted to wrap it up. Uh, you know, give you. I didn't want to keep you and say, man, he said it's gonna be an hour. He kept me on there for four hours or something. So <laughs> we definitely want to. <laughs> We want to uh, definitely have you back. We don't want to wear you out on the first on, on the maiden voyage. <laughs> well, Rico, I want to thank you. I, you know what? I really enjoyed tonight, and I always just enjoy talking to you. You and I always seem to banter back and forth pretty well. Uh, we have some great discussions, and I look forward to doing this again sometime in the near future. Yes, yes. Well, we, we were going to announce. We we're going to tell everybody. Chuck has been so gracious enough to come on and try to join us uh, at least once a month. And uh, we're shooting for we're going for the third Wednesday of every month. Is that right, Chuck? Uh, yeah. Let me just. I got to look at my calendar. I've got one. Um, I think that works. The uh, third Wednesday of. I think that. Yeah, that's the sixteenth. I think that'll work. All right. So we, we, let's we, shoot we, for we, that. We, 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 you know what? I don't necessarily have to be here, but it's certainly um, it's certainly best I am at the office because I, you know, my landline is a heck of a lot better than my cell phone at doing this. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, we definitely appreciate you taking the time out and coming on and, and, and letting us, uh, you know, pick at your brain for the for the for. We kept you a little bit longer than what we originally promised, but we definitely. 
thank you for being so gracious with your time. Uh, I think that it kind of gives everybody, a, you know, I think we had some people that were a little bit timid tonight or whatever, for whatever reason. Normally we have a lot more activity, but we got some good ones in there. Um, but like I, once again, I'd just like to, on behalf of Kevin Rutherford and the entire Let's Truck team, thank you for uh, being so gracious with your time and coming on and sharing some great information. Um, I, I didn't want to um, take over and just kill the conversation with all my questions because God knows I got a ton of them. But I wanted to let everybody else get in and, and also, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to, like I said, dominate the conversation. But I appreciate it once again, Chuck, with, for you coming on and, and sharing uh, some great knowledge and great information. And I think, I hopefully everybody will take in, uh, good notes. But if not, it is a podcast. You can go and download it, replay it, and get it again. Uh, so, Chuck, with that said, I'd like, like I said, I'd just like to uh, thank you for coming on, and I appreciate you for coming on. And uh, anything you'd like to say in closing, anything you want to plug or promote while, you, while we got you here? No, you know what, Rico? I just want to uh, I want to thank you for this opportunity. And, uh, you know, uh, just as long as people are willing to learn, I think our industry just gets better and better. Um, we've got a lot of new people coming in and people that are inquisitive about the industry. And I can tell you that there's no industry in the world like it. Um, and if you have any apprehensions or anything about the industry or questions, uh, just ask people like you and Kevin and I and the rest of us about it. And I think we're pretty, uh, I, I think we're pretty eager to share our knowledge because of our passion. Good so in, in saying that, I want to I want to uh, wish you a, a, a safe trip back to wherever you're going, um, and everybody else out there that's on the road. I just wish you uh, success and safety. All right, well, Chuck, we appreciate it once again. Have so a good night. Was gonna... Thank you. You too, Chuck. Take care. So everybody, Bye-bye. we're going to wrap. Bye-bye. We're going to wrap this one up tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate everybody for your participation. Um, so this is Rico Muhammad signing off live from Tampa, Florida, for Kevin Rutherford and the entire Let's Truck team. And his words, do the hard work, be safe, and master the journey. Good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.